Welcome to the Inspired by Adventure podcast, bringing you the adventure across the airwaves. Here's your host, Cole Watkins. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Inspired by Adventure podcast. My name is Cole Watkins, and I'm your host today. Uh, we want to uh, welcome in Mary Frances Emmons, uh, who is the editor-in-chief of Sport Diver and Scuba Diving Magazine, which is the official publication of Paddy Club. How are you doing today, Mary Frances? Good. How are you, Cole? I'm good. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, we're really excited to hear your story today and a little bit about the uh, eight aggressor trips that you've been on since uh, 2013. And uh, we're really excited to hear from you today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, yeah, let's go ahead and just start off learning a little bit about you and how you got into the dive industry, uh, or how you got into scuba diving and the dive industry. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll switch it over to talking about your uh, experience with Aggressor. Great. So I was around diving all my life because my father was a diver from the time I was a baby. And in fact, he is one of the divers who helped place the Christ of the Deep statue in uh, Penny Camp off Key Largo. And I've got, uh, I just recently came across an old black and white photo of him on the very first day underwater. And he's got his hand on the statue from uh, the day they placed it. I think I had not completely believed this story growing up because, you know, it was a very famous statue. And then I found a picture and said, whoa. But uh, so it was something I'd always wanted to learn to do. Uh, I grew up in Florida and I, I still live in Florida and I, you know, learned to swim very young age. I can't remember, you know, learned to swim when I learned to walk. So always around the water, but, you know, one thing leads to another. And I basically did not learn to dive until I was an adult. In fact, I was in my early forties and my um, then boyfriend, now husband, who's actually the scuba lab director, the gear editor of the magazine, he had been certified initially as a firefighter. And he was a very uh, um, avid diver. And so he gave me a certification uh, as a gift, which was great. Uh, but I had no idea at that time, you know, this was purely recreational. Uh, I was then in uh, the midst of a 20 year career in newspapers. And uh, if you follow the newspaper business, um, it's not such a happy place these days, difficult industry. And I just had no concept that just a couple years after certification, one of the reporters who worked for me at the paper, who ironically my budget had paid for his certification so that he could write a story about it. He went to the, um, at that time, the owners of the dive magazines that now belong to Patty. And uh, I was talking to him one day saying, you know, things are tough. And he said, well, you know, I got this job. And I said, oh, let's talk about that. And the next thing you know, I uh, was working for the dive magazine. And my little aside about that is uh, be nice to the children because one day you will work for one of them. But yeah. uh, it was a, a great opportunity. Uh, I, I didn't understand then how rare a job in the magazine world is where you get to paid to travel. But I essentially got to go all over the world for years and years um, diving. So I am pretty much the luckiest diver you will ever encounter. Yeah, that does sound like a dream job. <laughs> yes, it is. And I get many offers for Sherpas. You want me to carry that for you? I can come with you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. All right. So um, wh when did you start working there? What year was that? I started in 2009. And, and uh, the bo the magazines were owned by the Bonnier Corporation for a long time. And uh, Patty purchased the magazines in 2019. Okay. 
And how long have you been the editor-in-chief of both Sport Diver and Scuba Diver? Uh, for about two years. Our uh, previous editor retired, and I took over in September 2018, I think. So a little more than two years. Okay. And what's just out of curiosity, what's it been like, you know, working there this 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 past year? COVID? Oh, well, uh, very interesting. You know, we of course were not sure. You know, pandemic um, made diving tricky. Uh, but we are lucky to be based in Florida where we can still dive. We have a lot of inland diving, fantastic springs diving. It is, it's not the same as aggressor diving. It is not. Uh, people say to me, oh, you can't really like that. You've been all over the world. But, you know, your little watering hole that's close to home can still be a beautiful, special place, too. So we've continued to dive there. Um, and... We have not really been doing as much travel, but I am seriously looking forward to getting on the Philippines aggressor as soon as I can possibly make that happen. Uh, but we've also been um, really touched and heartened by how many of our readers and partners, uh, and, you know, aggressor being a great example, have really doubled down and people have, you know, wanted to stay close to that thing that they care about, which is diving. So in that sense, we became, um, you know, we're not the same as diving, but we were sort of the next best thing for a lot of people, okay. being able to have the magazine and still feel that connection. I see. I see. Okay. Well, so let's, uh, let's go back, uh, back in time to 2013 and you're uh, on your first trip to, uh, to the Thailand aggressor and it was, happened to be a Mike and Mike week. Yes. Um, I didn't fully understand what that was at the time I went on. I basically was coming on to write about it because at that time um, it was a relatively new boat for the fleet and it was being moved, had been moved from a different part of the world. So, you know, it just happened to be that that was the week that I was on it. Well, it was a great thing for me. And, and of course, they turned into the story. Mike Muskleski was the um, instructor and he was he is the most patient man in the world but also hilarious yeah. so you know there was somebody at his elbow every waking second you know asking him for help asking him for instruction and i never saw him you know anything but uh encouraging welcoming fun um, but also really good instruction. And the funny thing for me was I am also an underwater shooter, only video. I, I have a little bit of DSLR experience, but only enough to know that I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but I do always have my video camera. And so just as I was listening, because, you know, I'm writing a story about what's happening on the boat. I learned so much from Mike that I still that I that I use in my um, topside photography, too. So uh, it also was fun because uh, I was just rereading that story today and there were a couple of people on that boat, one of whom is in the story, who was making his 50th 5-0 aggressor cruise, most of them Mike and Mike cruises, and he said he still learned stuff every time. Wow. So they... I'm still friends. That's, an, that's another thing I was going to you know, mention about aggressor boats overall is you know, you make friends that you keep and three of the divers on that boat, I'm still friends with, and they are still doing Mike and Mike cruises and learning from it every time. And they're all, they've all become really good shooters too. So, you know, I would definitely recommend that to anybody that wants to uh, improve your shooting while you're having a great dive experience. That's, that's great to hear. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know Mike and Mike will be happy to hear that, that pitch from someone of 
I'm still in touch with Mike too. He's a sweetheart. I've reached out to him, you know, over the years for help with the, you know, imagery and he's just, he's fantastic. I can't say enough good about him. Yeah. Yeah. I've enjoyed every time I've, I've got to uh, hang with him a bit. Well, what, what was the diving like in Thailand? It was amazing. The, um, the topside landscape, of course, is very, very beautiful. Like, you know, not everywhere you go, you arrive somewhere and you have kind of a concept based on magazines, magazines like ours, you know, and you get there and uh, maybe it looks like it, maybe it doesn't, but Thailand, oh yeah, it's spectacular. And what really impressed me with the underwater world was the soft coral that, uh, and even I was there about nine years after the Ache tsunami which had had a, a strong impact on the, the soft coral, but it had sprung back in an incredible way, which also was a really heartening thing to see that, you know, if, if you give nature a chance, it will come back. Uh, but that was something that was unlike anything I had seen anywhere else. I mean, just, it was like diving over acres and acres and acres of fields of flowers. I mean, it just was so beautiful. Um, I also really enjoyed the crew. They were uh, pretty much all Thai uh, and the food was unbelievable. Also, you know, like all aggressor yachts, there was there was always a selection of, you know, familiar things for Americans, but also local. And um, the local food uh, on the boat was just unbelievable. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, um, let's see. Uh, you wind up next going um, having two Pacific dives uh, uh, in Kona in 2013 and uh, Costa Rica in 2014. So that's, I'm imagining big animals, big action. You probably saw some big stuff in, in, uh, in Thailand. But, uh, yes, but in Thailand, I didn't, I'm trying to remember what was the biggest thing we saw in Thailand. I think we did see mantis. mantis. Um, but in Kona, I happened to be there in uh, February and literally the minute you practically get off the plane, whales, 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 whales. I mean, it was, it was nutballs, how many whales. And even though, of course, it's very rare to see a whale diving underwater, you could hear them really? every dive. And it felt, you kept thinking, I know it's right there. I know it's right there. I know we're gonna see it. Uh, but the very last dive, didn't see it. But well, the first dive, we were, um, we hear them and the dive master writes on his slate, they're close. And then he takes off. And so we all take off after him. Of course we don't see them, but we come back. And when we surface the boat, you know, the crews there waiting for us as they always are. And they're all wet. And I thought, that's weird. Why are they all wet? Because the whales had been under the yacht and they had all snorkeled. So that was, it was really fun. But the very, very last dive, it was, they, this, the whale song was so loud that it vibrated your chest. Like you literally could not only hear them, but feel them. And I've never had an experience like it. It was just amazing. But we also, you know, Kona, oh my gosh. I mean, it's just like, uh, it's a mile a minute. The night dive with the mantas, of course, is amazing. It's everything that everybody tells you it is. But what the surprise there was, you know, everybody, mo most of the boats that are, um, you know, tied up there are uh, day boats that have come, you know, with, with the land-based operators. So, you know, they all leave and we swim back to Aggressor, which was very close by. 
the mantas follow us. Really? And so the, the lights under the uh, Kona aggressor, the mantas just keep playing. So we just stay in the water. I mean, it was nuts. Literally just drained the tank, hanging out. And we were the only ones there. So that was very, very special. How many nights did you do the, the Kona night dive? We did it at least twice because we did at that time, I'm not sure if this is still true. They were doing two sites, one up at the old airport and one down at the um, Sheraton. Okay. Um, and we saw mantas at both spots, mm -hmm. but this was cool too. We did at least at the one near the Sheraton, we also did a dusk dive um, or you know, kind of late afternoon and there were mantas there already because they, you know, they know there's going to be lights then therefore plankton there later. So it was like a, a cool pre-show that we didn't expect. And of course, once again, we were the only divers there. Yeah. Do you remember how many you saw at the, at the max? I want to say, it, well, it's hot. It, it's such a, a crazy, you know, sensory experience that it's sort of hard to be sure you're not counting the same one over and over. Sure. But um, there was a uh, Manta expert there that night. And I, so I asked later, how many do you think? Cause they do, they can identify them. And he's, I think he said 28. Oh my gosh. It was a crazy number. It might've been 20, but it was a lot. Where does that rank as your favorite dive of all time? Because I hear a lot of people say that's it's pretty high up there. It it's hard to it's hard to beat. Yeah. Um, just in terms of, you know, you I've gotten to dive with a lot of big animals, but not that proximity. They were literally knocking into me. Wow. So yeah, it was crazy, but in a in a really good way. Is there anything else you remember seeing in uh, Kona that you really enjoyed seeing that while you're there? I had never, I don't think I had ever before seen in motion a Spanish dancer. Okay. And the, at first I thought, oh, look, isn't that awful? There's a plastic bag in the ocean just floating along and we shouldn't do that. And then I realized, I don't think that's a plastic bag, but it was that size, like a garbage bag. Um, and sure enough, it was unfurled and dancing and doing its whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, was that your first time uh, getting to experience any the lava tubes that are there? Yes. And that was really fun, too. Um, I definitely hadn't done anything like that. Um, the the way the um, well, when you're in the tube, of course, it's cool. It's fun. It's different. But the way the little bubbles come up like strings of pearls from the top. So if you're you know, you can only go single file by and large. Most of these lava tubes aren't that huge. So you come out and then you maybe double back over the top of it while other divers are going through. And so you see these uh, like little pearls coming up. That's just beautiful. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, so what about uh, Costa Rica? That was Island. its own kind of incredible because, you know, it's way out there. You know, you're, you got quite a ride going out. So everybody's very, very excited on the ride out. And, and that gives kind of a chance to get to know everybody on the boat and, you know, make friends. Um, so, but it also kind of makes it very dramatic when you finally see the island because they're so beautiful. I mean, like 800 foot waterfalls about every 10 feet. 
And that was, it was super interesting to me too, because some of them, you didn't really realize at first there was a waterfall because it wasn't running, but there's a tremendous amount of moisture there. They get like 280 inches of rain a year. Literally, I'm not making that up. So, you know, one day there might be a little bit of water trickling down and you get up the next morning and, you know, you're in this bay and there's this roaring cataclysm coming down the side of the mountain. Um, and that, that was another amazing trip because the it wasn't the first time, I think it was the second time on the first day, uh, we were at a great site called Dirty Rock that you hear people refer to a lot. And I, you know, I'm kind of staring in the distance, I'm staring, I'm staring, I'm staring, and I'm thinking, you're just hallucinating, you want to see a whale shark, so you think there is one there, and then, no, it was! Uh, and then by the end of the dive, it came back. So we got, got um, a really good sighting there, but but, you know, there's just constant action, you know, uh, every kind of shark, um, you know, one of the coolest things I saw there that I've seen very rarely was tuna. And man, that's one of the coolest things to see underwater. Um, they are so fast. It's like, it's like some kind of armored robot fish going by. It was really, really cool. Were you there during the uh, schooling hammerheads? No, I was there in the spring. So, you know, for divers, I'm lucky I don't, don't tend to get seasick, knock on wood. But, um, you know, from my understanding, the crossing's a little bit stiffer in the fall, but the payoff is, you know, the, the aggregation. But honestly, our crossing, it was like glass. Wow. I mean, just flat as could be both directions, really beautiful ride. And we still saw, you know, just constant big animals everywhere yeah it's close to i think 500 miles off the coast of costa rica so i think it's uh, i don't want to say it was, that. I was, it was like a 32 hour ride something like that i was thinking 30 somewhere around there so somewhere in there yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a 10 day trip so you can get your seven days of diving <laughs> but you yeah. got you gotta take some time to get out there <laughs> yeah it was a very cool uh trip and that was also one where um you and I were talking earlier, uh, Les Stroud was on and he uh, was, he just added enormously to the trip. You know, he, you know, dude is famous. So we, we weren't really, we were all a little bit in awe, but he's super personable. He's a great storyteller, as you might imagine. And one thing I didn't know until I was doing the story he actually got his start. You're not old enough to remember this, but in the early MTV days, there was a Canadian channel called Much Music that was a great video music channel. He got his start there and he's a fantastic musician. And he brought his um, guitar and he entertained us in the evening. So it was because, you know, you're way out there and there are like no humans by and large, you know, on this island. So when the sun goes down, you're making your own fun. But uh, it was it was a very, very cool, very memorable trip. Did you guys get to do any land excursions while you're there? Um, not so much on Co Cocos. There, you know, I think sometimes it's more open or not. Well, actually, no, wait, that's not true. We did go on and we um, there's a little station there, like a research station where different universities uh, bring in um, people studying, you know, things related to the land and also where the National Park Rangers, you know, have space. So we did um, tromp around a little bit um, in that area, 
but you know, it, it is protected. So you, you can't go every single place. The, the particular area that's, there's a very famous waterfall that I believe aggressor um, guests do often visit, um, but it had been very muddy. And so the trail, they were worried, you know, that, um, you know, people might slip. So we didn't go over there that particular trip. So, you know, it, the thing about Cocos is it, it is truly wild. So, you know, it ain't a theme park. You have to be prepared for what mother nature is gonna let you do, but um, we just loved it. And, you, you know, I just never got tired of sit, sitting there staring at the island and staring at the waterfalls. It always, every time I get drone footage from, from Cocos Island, I'm, it looks like Jurassic Park to me. <laughs> it, it is, that is exactly what it looks like. Now, you know, there's a common, uh, uh, you know, people say that part of it was filmed there. I've had very hard time actually verifying that. There is one or two shots that may be from there, but regardless of whether it really is or not, that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah, I think I think I did do some research at one time, and uh, and I think if I recall correctly, it was that they kind of picked the the idea of it being an island just way out there, but and kind of studied the uh, the terrain of it. But most of the actual movie was shot in Hawaii. Yeah. But um, yeah. All but it's right. still a good story. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So let's see. Uh. All right. So we've talked about uh, your diving there in the Pacific and and out in Thailand. Um, you've also got a chance to dive in the Caribbean uh, with the Cayman Aggressor 4 at the time, back in 2014. And, Is it, are we up to five now or six? Uh, let's see, Thailand, Kona. No, no, no. I mean, Cayman Aggressors, because there's, there's a new oh, boat no. since I was on it. Yeah, Cayman 5 is a new one. So you were yeah. on the Cayman 4 in 2014 and then uh, Turks and Caicos. So uh, that's going to be much different diving, easier, clearer water. What can you tell us about your, your time spent there? Um, the, well, Cayman, of course, is legendary. And, you know, that's another one of those places that you hear so much about and you think, can't be all that. But, oh, yes, it is. The, um, and the, one of the cool things about the aggressor experience, now, I, I think this is a little bit weather dependent, um, wind mostly, but I was there in September and we were able to go to all three islands. And, you know, if you're traveling, you know, doing land-based diving, that would be very expensive and very difficult, you know, be very inconvenient, but the aggressor makes it super easy. So um, we did a lot of diving, a lot of wall diving, of course, on the west end of um, uh, Grand Cayman. And then we went over and did a lot of sites along Bloody Bay Wall on kind of the northwest part of Little Cayman. But then we also went over from Little Cayman just for one day and dived uh, the uh, Tibbets, which was incredible. And of course, um, one of the aggressor founders, the late Wayne Hassan, was instrumental in the sinking of that ship. And I had traveled with Wayne. In fact, I traveled with Wayne in um, Turks and Caicos on the family week. So I knew a lot of his stories and that made that even more amazing. It's an amazing wreck anyway. It's well, honestly one of my favorite wrecks anywhere. Yeah. Um, but so that was super cool. That trip also was cool in a non-diving sense because it was a wine appreciation cruise. Okay. So I was cruising with Wayne Brown who, as you know, is quite an onophile and really knows a great deal about wine. I didn't really know what to expect, but because I, you know, I'm a big fan, but I wouldn't say I'm terribly learned. 
Um, but he really made, you know, I learned things on that cruise that I still apply in my wine shopping to this day. Um, and they also, you know, if you are someone who likes a glass of wine with dinner, sometimes you have a choice. You can night dive or you can have your wine. But on the wine appreciation cruise, I loved that they backed dinner up a little bit to like a, a continental hour and they pushed the night dive up a little bit so you could do both. So that was awesome. I love that. Um, the other thing that was surprised me a little bit about Cayman is, of course, I expected the fantastic walls and they do not disappoint. Uh, but we did some really, other than Tibbets, uh, we did some great wrecks too off of Grand Cayman that just don't get as much publicity. Now, obviously, Kitty Wake is all that. Yeah. Um, but others that I didn't really know about till we got there. So that was very cool also. Turks and Caicos, I loved because it's pretty similar terrain to Bahamas, but fewer humans. So it felt to me more like a similar train, but more pristine sharks on every dive. Um, but that, that was a family week cruise and uh, it was led by Wayne Hassan, who of course was a big kid and a lot of fun. So I think Wayne, there's nothing Wayne like better than a boat full of kids. Um, and I had just gotten my then 16 year old niece, she's 21 now, um, certified. And so I took her with me to, you know, write about, I took my own family to write about family. Yeah. Uh, and that was really like, you know, I'd had a lot of people tell me the joy of diving with family, but until you do it, you don't really fully appreciate how cool that is. Mm -hmm. She and I just had a blast. It was a bond that, you know, we will have forever. She and I still dive together and I know we always will. So that was a very cool experience. And that's a beautiful boat. It was a great crew, uh, super relaxing. And it was, you know, full of families. So that was a very warm um, experience. Mm -hmm. And easy to get to coming from Orlando, I imagine, huh? Yeah, super easy to get to. So all the, all the Caribbean boats, you know, that's that's pretty hard to beat. Um, so I'm trying to think what else. Uh, the probably the main thing that that she and I still talk about uh, about uh, Turks and Caicos is the sharks as much as anything. But you know, because it was her first, she she had gotten certified, and I went up and did her cert dives with her in a quarry in Virginia which was dark and cold. And I told her, kid, you can do this, you can do anything. So to her, you know, suddenly we're, I think I took her in a Springs in Florida just for a smidge more diving before we, you know, got to Turks and Caicos, but she just loved every minute of it. You know, she, any animal, she was losing her mind. So yeah. it was really, really fun. Yeah, and I definitely agree with you uh, about about how secluded it feels in Turks and Caicos because when you're out there at West Caicos, that entire piece of land has nobody living on it. Yeah, it I, was really cool. I hear there's one guy that lives on it who's kind of like just you know you know watching over it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and um and he's kind of just out there, just one guy out there living out there. That's what they they told me on the the crew told me. Well, I think it. I think that that is also where there's the there was actually a little town yankee town like a hundred years ago and so uh, this was very cool there's still some machinery there like an old steam locomotive maybe like there was a tiny little i i'm not up on railroads but like a little tiny gauge railroad that they used to 
was it salt or I mean it must have been salt that what could they have been handling sounds familiar it's been a couple of years it's been a few years since I've been over to Turks but I, I know exactly what you're talking about because we got out and did it too we came up on that there's a pond in the middle of the island and yeah we came up on hundreds of wild flamingos oh wow it was really incredible with, there were a lot of birds there when we were, we kind of waded across it, um, but it, not, it wasn't flamingos. But what, what I do remember also when we got to that, that big piece of equipment, of course, all the little kids, especially the little boys were just immediately all over it. Yeah. And Wayne told this ghost story that had everybody kind of spooked, including my niece, who was not little. And later she was like, was that true? And I, and I said, oh yeah. And then later I was like, Wayne, was that true? And he just kind of yeah. so but it was really fun yeah and uh i, I wanted to share a quick uh, little um story on on the, the tibbets wreck so you know also called the russian destroyer when we went out there um my son was on the, the boat with us um as we had a family week going and you know he was only two at the time and he was having a really rough time out there he was just you know kind of cranky but we went down on the tibbets wreck and um he was up there hanging out with, with his grandpa and I got down there and found a, a geocache box and um, it was on inside one of the rooms and I opened it up and there was this toy dinosaur, you know, about yay big. And uh, so I was like, oh my God, I got to bring this back up to him. So I tucked it in, like in my bathing suit and had to swim with it. That was early on in the dive. I had, you know, another 30 or 40 minutes of, of diving. So I, <laughs> I, 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 I at different spots in front of the boat, you know, in the sand where it looked like he was you know, he was raining over this, uh, this boat and I uh, took it up and he loved it. And he still has that toy today. He's, he's four now. And he's, he actually recently took it to a uh, class. His name is Tibbets, the T-Rex. And he took oh, it fun. Here at, uh, at, at class. And, uh, so his friends got a good, good time seeing that. Cool. <laughs> yeah. But all right, not, not to get too far off subject. Uh, all right. So let's go back. Let's see. 2017, 2018, um, you got to spend some time uh, in the Middle East diving the Oman aggressor and Red Sea aggressor three. Uh, no, uh, two, I think. Red sea aggressor two, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was on the northern itinerary. Yes, okay, and then you did the uh, um, the Nile Queen. Nile right? Queen. So, um, the you know. I get so many questions from people who knew that I, well, the, especially the Oman trip, because that was the first one. So many divers who were super curious about that region, about the Middle East, they would love to go, but they're very unconfident about traveling there on their own because it's just, it's very unknown. Um, so, you know, they were really happy to learn that somebody like Aggressor, that's a trusted American brand that, you know, they know certain standards are adhered to, doesn't matter where it is in the fleet. Um, that gives you a really good way to, um, you know, explore areas that you maybe would not feel as confident about planning a trip on your own. Um, it's also worth mentioning that Aggressor has a much more robust, um, uh, like almost an in-house travel agency. Well, it is an in-house travel agency that I have used for pretty much every trip. And I can't say enough nice about those folks you know they really do make dreams come true and my husband uh probably not all of these trips but but a couple of these has come with me and so he was you know not on assignment it was more like a regular guest and he's also had a great experience with them so i would definitely urge people to um you know you don't have to wonder about this stuff ask because there's somebody there who can help you 
So um, the other, the, the I had never been to the Middle East before. So this was a, a huge adventure that I just loved. Um, and, you know, once again, very first dive, whale shark. Um, and the, the crew told us that it was very unusual to see. We were kind of, it was our checkout dive. We wow. were pretty close to shore um, and pretty close to a, a populated area. There's a juvenile that we don't know whether it was lost or just, you know, exploring, but it also stuck around for quite a while. So that was really fun. Um, but then the, uh, you know, it doesn't sound very sexy to say, wow, the eels, but you have never seen eels like Oman, the different varieties, size, yeah. the size of all of them is unbelievable. Everything there seemed huge to me. Um, you know, even even animals that were that are common elsewhere, they just seem bigger. You know, you're uh, not the first person to tell me that. And I haven't been there yet, but every, I've had I've had a few people tell me that when they got everything seemed bigger there. Yeah, they really did. Um, and also the schooling stuff, you know, it was like Indo style where, you know, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face, um, where school's so dense that as you're swimming through them, they're kind of not parting. Wow. <laughs> you know, and you're just one of the school. Wow. So that was very cool. The other thing that really struck me about that trip was um, you know, that was a really good example of a trend toward more and more luxurious yachts in the fleet. You know, some of the, I, I remember interviewing Wayne Hassan for, a, I did a 30th anniversary story. Uh, in fact, the Cayman trip was a 30th anniversary story. And Wayne was telling me about um, how, you know, the origin of a lot of liveaboards was as, you know, oil fleet uh, service boats that had been converted. So, and you can kind of tell if you, you know, a lot of them in the, in the days gone by were more, um, they look like service boats, but I walked into the, the salon on the Oman Aggressor. It was like, I'd walked into a boutique hotel in Barcelona. Wow. That's really what the, what it looked like to me. My second thought was who's keeping all this white so clean because, <laughs> you know, let's face it, divers, salt water. But um, yeah, it just really made you feel like you'd stepped into another world. Um, I also loved the crew on that. You know, they were super curious. Most of them were Egyptian. Most of them had learned their trade in the Red Sea. Um, but they, that's one of the things I like best about liveaboards, all liveaboards, is they often have local crew or regional crew. And it's a chance to get to know people in a different way, in a more intimate way, you know, cause you're, you, there you are on the boat with these folks all day, every day. And that was a, that's been a really meaningful thing to me on a lot of boats, on the Thai aggressor, on Amon, Red Sea. Um, and I'd say the Red Sea, the yacht was similarly stunning, um, you know, very comfortable, but also just very beautiful. Uh, that diving also kind of blew me away the main reason was I, I was surprised at how incredibly healthy the coral was, given that this is a, a very populated region of the world since time immemorial. But uh, the Red Sea experiences very little runoff, not very little natural runoff. And the, the quality of the water and the environment was just much better than I expected. Then Ras Muhammad, the big national park that's at the bottom of the Sinai Peninsula, 
is stunning above and below. So, you know, I, I was kind of blown away just sitting on the deck as we're approaching those dives, you know, looking at the park. Yeah. Um, I kind of had the binoculars stuck to my head and my husband was like, let me see. But uh, the diving also was just very, very, very beautiful. And of course, the Red Sea is very, very, Northern Red Sea is very, very famous for its wrecks. And so those were amazing also. I think we did five dives on Thistlegorm. Wow. It was at least four. I bet they were all great, weren't they? They were all great. It it is it it is mind blowing, and even as mind blowing as Thistlegorm is, it wasn't even my favorite. I thought the wrecks over on I think it's Abu Nahas. It's where the Chrysula Kay and uh, shoot, I'm forgetting the name. Oh, Gianesti, and there's one other. There's actually two other wrecks right there, but one two of the wrecks are kind of on top of each other, and they're not completely sure what that bottom wreck is. But the other three are all kind of right close to each other. The reef there next to is beautiful and the wrecks themselves are spectacular. Like I could have dived those three wrecks for a week and had a great time. Would you would you say that the Red Sea and Cayman are comparable at as far as you know, you're, you're getting to see wrecks and it's, it's good visibility and um, easy diving? Yes, I thought the diving was very easy in both places. Now, both places, obviously, some places have more current, but, you know, as we know, more current is more life. So, you know, you take your pick. But in both cases, the in, in all cases, Thailand had a lot of current, too, in certain places. The yachts do a great job of, um, you know, they kind of figure out what the tolerance is based on the divers on board. And, you know, they do an amazing job of, you know, moving you just a little bit, or maybe they delay, you know, they'll flop two dives because they know the current is going to switch and it'll be, you know, one will be better later, one will be better earlier. So um, that knowledge of the environment they're putting you in is also, you know, increases not just your safety, but your enjoyment. Do you remember the variety of sharks that you saw in the Red Sea? Oh, wow. The, now the Southern itinerary gets more of the, you know, um, oceanic white tips and some of the other, I'm trying to think, you know, I went back over my notes, but I'm, I'm not sure what types we saw, but we definitely did see, I think we saw a hammer. Yeah. Sometimes we're getting hammer shots. I think there. We saw a hammer, yeah, uh, but you know, they're funny because they're kind of shy for such a huge animal. Um, they'll, and, and also hammerheads to me are the weirdest looking animal because they look like a giant, one giant muscle with this kind of teeny little head. And they'll kind of poke up their little head over, a, you know, the edge of a reef or something. But if there's too much going on, they, they're not staying. Yeah. So um, didn't see them super close, but oh, oh I feel like I'm I'm not going to get a good grade on this because I can't remember what other sharks we saw there. No, I, I was wanting to ask some about uh, the oceanic white tips, but yeah, that, I forgot that they're more prone to be a little bit more Southern. So I, I got to go back and do that uh, itinerary. There you go. <laughs> well, tell us about the Nile Queen. Did you do that after your Red Sea trip or was it before the trip? Yeah, we did it after. And I, I think I liked doing it that way the best. But the funny thing was, you know, when aggressor first went into this, at first I thought, well, who's going to do that? I mean, it's nowhere near the Red Sea. It's blah, blah, blah. Well, then I get there and do it. And I totally get it because it's, it's a very easy ride 
from uh, Hergata, where the yacht I was on was docked, mm-hmm. over to Luxor, where you pick up the Nile Queen. Um, it's a it. I was so excited because you're basically driving through the Sahara. I mean, you know, desert to Americans, we think of as kind of the American Southwest as scrubby or, you know, um, rocky. This is sand and it's sculpted in beautiful, like you look out and, and you see these beautiful formations and you know, they'll be different tomorrow because it's all sand and wind. But what I also didn't fully expect was how beautiful and green that Nile Valley is, or I don't know if valley is the right word, but the strip of land on both sides, tomatoes, like you wouldn't believe, like produce and beautiful. Um, so I, I really enjoyed the ride. And then you get on the yacht and I just, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. Uh, and it was a very, very affordable add-on. Like Egypt for Americans is unbelievably affordable and now you know instead of thinking oh who's going to do that now i'm like you're crazy if you don't do it because it's just so easy we also used aggressor um travel folk to add on three or four days in cairo and that also was amazing we had an incredible like four-star hotel so cheap you wouldn't believe (laughs) and really really good guides who, um, uh, one of which we've stayed friends with. So it just couldn't have been a better experience and we definitely want to go back. We just wrapped up a podcast for any of you listening want to hear more about the Nile Queen uh, with a guy named Emil Gahali, who's an Egyptologist. And we finished his call, let's see, uh, his, his, his uh, episode will be airing on February 13th. So if you guys want to learn more about that, you should go and check that that podcast out. But I'm glad to hear you and you enjoyed that trip too, Mary Francis. How do you how do you, oh I'm sorry how do you how do you stack that up uh, next to a, a scuba diving trip though? Uh, you mean just well, honestly, it would have been a trip of a lifetime even without the diving. You know, yeah. I either half of this would have been amazing on its own. So um, you know. The being on the river, well, obviously, you know, a boat is my happy place anyway. Any boat anywhere is great. But this was just so peaceful and relaxing. Another thing that surprised me was the Nile itself. You know, this has been a major commercial waterway for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So honestly, I didn't expect it to necessarily be, you know, somewhere you'd want to jump in. It's clear. It's a beautiful jade green color. We actually went swimming and one of the um, fellow uh, passengers had his dive watch on or his uh, dive computer on. So he could, we could tell the temp. It was like high 60s, which you think is cold for diving, but it, it felt very refreshing because it's, it's reasonably warm. I was there in April and uh, it, you know, it was fairly warm, but, but again, not on the river. You know, Once you were on the boat and moving, you know, I just could have stayed on it forever. Just, just tow me up and down and up and down. I just stay here. <laughs> well, that's great to hear. So, all right. So let's, I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you of all these trips, which one stood out as your favorite? I knew you were going to ask that question. And I have been trying to think of a single answer. I know it's a tough question. Um, 
you know, it's always, I do get asked that question a lot and it's always tempting to say whatever the one I just did because, you know, there's kind of no bad diving in my book. Um, it, when you take the two sides together, it's pretty hard to beat uh, Red Sea and Not Queen as a combo. Um, but honestly, it's, it's especially rereading the story, you know, getting ready to talk to you, it's hard to, to beat the memories of diving with my niece uh, when she was just 16 and she was just bursting with excitement in Turks and Caicos. Yeah. Um, and then there's the wine appreciation cruise. Yeah. So uh, I can't choose Cole, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know that's a hard spot. Well, okay. Is there anything else you want to talk? Well, why don't you talk about um, this? Because I'd feel I'd feel amiss if I didn't ask you. What did you experience? You know, you you went all over the world with aggressor Thailand to, to Hawaii to the Caribbean and and the Middle East. What did you notice uh, as far as uh, solidarity? Like, like like one whole product like. Did you notice that? Yes, I, I actually am glad you mentioned that because it's something I wanted to bring up. I didn't, I didn't think of this on my own. A diver, one of the divers on the Thai aggressor pointed out to me that liveaboard is kind of an insane business because it's a restaurant, it's a hotel, it's a dive shop, and it's a boat. Any of those four things has about a hundred million things that could go wrong at any given moment. I mean, any of those four things is a very challenging business. They're doing it all at once. And the thing that's incredible to me about Aggressor is the consistency across all destinations. And I can say that, you know, absolutely with authority that, you know, you get on Aggressor boat and you know certain things, certain safety standards that are going to be adhered to, certain levels of crew, you know that the food is going to offer you both things that are familiar to you and things that will be new to you if you want to try them. You really know what to expect. And I think it is extraordinary given that, you know, not all of these boats are directly owned by aggressor. You know, it's a it's a franchise situation. I, I honestly don't know how you're doing it. Now, one thing I will say though, this makes me laugh. I've gotten on many aggressor yachts where some diver will say, you didn't tell me blah, blah, blah. And I'll think, yeah, they did. Read the no before you go. Read the no before you go. That is the thing that every aggressor diver needs to know and do. And there it is for you. Some people don't do it. I don't know why, but you guys do a great job providing that information. Thank you. Uh, and uh, what would you say to someone who is a who's a diver who's, who has not traveled on a liveaboard yet, what would you say to encourage them? Uh, Do it. There is nothing not to like about a situation where you haul your stuff on once and then it's pretty much somebody else's problem, unless you want to do it yourself and you literally roll out of bed and into your dive gear and then you get fed and then you dive again and then you get fed and then you dive again, you know, it's, it's the most relaxing thing in the world. Yeah. Have you, ever, have you gotten uh, some iron divers on the, on your trips? I did. I got it on Cayman. I was very excited. Yeah. Awesome. Um, some people would say I cheated 
because uh, the, I mean, it was still five dives a day, but the, because of the wine appreciation, the night dive had been moved up a little. So I wasn't having, you know, that's the reason I don't get every dive on some boats. In fact, I had to tell my niece, this is going to make me sound like a lush, but uh, my niece loves night diving. Who knew that she would love that? So she announces, we're going to do every night dive. And I was like, no, we're not. Auntie gets a glass of wine once or twice. But uh, on the wine appreciation, I didn't have to choose. And I did every dive. And I was pretty proud of myself. And I still have my medal hanging up above my, uh, well, when I was in an office, I still had it hanging up above my desk. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Well, is there anything else you want to say or tell us anything that's going on with uh, Sport Diver and and Scuba Diving? I know we're, we do have a uh, podcast call upcoming with uh, David Frygang to learn about the uh, the Paddy Club we're excited about. Oh, great. Good. That's awesome. He's my boss. Um, uh, Dave has a long history in magazines. He was actually one of the founders of the company that started um, Sport Diver and uh, they acquired Scuba Diving um, from a different publisher, oh golly, close to 15 years ago. So um, Dave also is is a diver. Um, He's also a champion water skier and he the when I came to the magazines, there was something called the Patty Diving Society, um, which was a very popular um, club, basically, you know, similar model that um, ran events. And, you know, I hope that um, Patty Club, which is the kind of modern iteration of this, will have events too in the future. And I hope that my staff will get to go to them because we used to do that um, in the old Patty Diving Society days. So I'm um, trying to think. We actually, uh, we just finished our uh, gear issue. Um, and you might think like, oh, is there any new gear in the pandemic? But it was really heartening to us to see how many um, scuba manufacturers just quietly kept innovating despite pandemic and have come out with some really cool products. So we've got 140 products in that. So that'll be out in March. Um, it's kind of a wish book for divers. And then in May will be our liveaboard issue. So um, that's something for um, maybe podcast listeners to look out for um, yeah. that will have a lot about aggressor destinations. And uh, I can't think what else I think. Well, is, is there, uh, if, if someone's listening today and is not uh, subscribed to uh, Scuba Diver Magazine or the sport diver, which you said is online only now, what's the way that they can go and get more information and sign up? Thank you for asking. Very easy. Go to scuba diving.com. And uh, I believe uh, across the bar on the top in the navigation or also in the hamburger menu, if you're on mobile, if you pull down, you'll see a place to join club. It's right there. Makes it very easy. And, what is- and um, just, to, just to give a little bit of a, you know, what is, what is club? Um, right now there, you get the magazine you get a 20% discount on 18 different PADI certifications. Uh, There are gear discounts, including a substantial discount on the new Sea Life Sport Diver iPhone housing, which an iPhone housing is something, you know, that a lot of divers have kind of been waiting for. And this one is terrific. Um, uh, You get a uh, PADI refresher course and a DAN refresher course, uh, you know, safety oriented that come with being club. And they're adding more benefits all the time. 
Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, Mary Francis, I really appreciate you being on. It was great hearing about all your trips, making me jealous over here a little bit. We got to get on an aggressor yacht together. I bet we can make that happen. Yeah, that'd be fun. Maybe Philippines. That's high on my list too. Yeah. Well, and I, I would love to dive with Wayne again, Wayne Brown also. He's really uh, a lot of fun on, uh, uh, you know, to dive with. Great diver, great shooter. So. Okay, well, great. Well, I appreciate you being on and hope maybe we can get you on some other time later in the year and, and catch great. up, see what's going on with uh, Scuba Dive Magazine. And Good. Maybe after we get on Philippines. Yeah, there we go. We'll, we'll do our Philippines review. <laughs> Live. Yeah, there we go. All right, well, thanks again. And I appreciate everybody watching uh, for another episode of Inspired by Adventure Podcast. And we will catch you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the Inspired by Adventure Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe through iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time.